Good morning, everybody. I'm Brad. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. If I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, I apologize. I'll work harder next time. It's a little, a little difficult, but I'll try my best. And some of you are like, no, that's OK. We're good. We're good. We've got enough creepy bald men walking around. We don't need another one. It's OK um, in your life or whatever it is. So um, Pastor Jeff loves to make bald jokes all the time. So I often feel those pain. And yeah, thanks. Anyway, so it's good to be here this morning. I'm excited about today, excited about looking at Jonah. We've been in a, th- um, a four-week series uh, conversations about Jonah. And Jeff has um, talked about the first two. I encourage you, if you haven't been there for these first two, make sure you follow up on those. Check those out. You can look on your app and you can listen to them. You find a lot of background about Jonah. You find out about the story and really some great conversations, some good stuff to think about in your own life as you think about who it is that God has made you to be. So I'm excited about today as we're going to jump in there in chapter three in a second. But before we do all that, I just want to kind of um, just go back real quick to something that was mentioned during the announcements, and that's about Feed My Starving Children. You know, I work with um, people, um, the ministries I work with, there's family ministries, so I work with people that work with kids and students or teenagers all the time. And oftentimes I'll talk to families, and you have these families that are excited about, about Jesus, and they want people to, they want their kids to learn how to, they realize it's like we need to be helping other people. We want our kids to learn how to serve. Even in our, in our context outside of the church, Families are always looking for opportunities to serve. And they said, but Brad, is there anywhere we can serve together as a family? Well, let me tell you, if you're looking for that, the perfect event for that, we have one happening this week. It's Feed My Starving Children. So all your, if your child is five years and up, they can have an active role in helping feed starving kids around the world. So we started back with uh, the Grace Race, and a lot of you participated in that and raised money. Well, now we bought all the food, and now this week is the week we get to pack it and actually get to ship it off. So we're really excited about it. So I would encourage you, you can take out your phone now, and you um, click out of the Pokemon app and go real quick to our app, and then, um, and then go on there to Feed My Starving Children. You can sign up even right now. And, and do that. You can do that. Or if you can go out to the kiosk out there and they'd love to walk you through how to sign up. There are shifts. It's fun. It will be the most meaningful time, I'm telling you, as a family. You watch your kids. They wear their little hair nets on or some of us say their beard nets, you know, get in there packing stuff. And it's so much fun. There's so much energy with it. You will be the walk out of here on cloud nine. I promise you that. So um, I've had an opportunity to go to Haiti a bunch of times. And, at, you know, before we've actually have taken some of the meals and hand delivered them that we've packed here which is incredible to see how it has impacted families around our world. It really does make a difference. So we should be serving in our local community all the time anyway, but this is a chance right now this week. So make sure you sign up for that, and I don't mind if you take out your phones and do that while I'm talking, so it's, it's okay. So if you're on the app, though, if you want to go to Jonah chapter 3, that's where we're going to start. So Jonah, I'm just giving you a little bit of background of the story if you hadn't been here for a little bit, but a lot of us have heard the story of Jonah. Maybe if you've not even grown up in church, we've heard about Jonah in the well. We've heard about these things. But we've really been looking at this, uh, this book from the angle of looking at who God is and what he does through Jonah's life and going along. So Jonah was a prophet. That was his job. And what he was to do as a prophet wasn't about foretelling the future necessarily, but it was his job was to go and speak for God. So God would say, okay, Jonah, this is your job. And here's what I want you to say. So he says, Jonah, arise. Okay, get up, Jonah, and go. And I want you to go to Nineveh. And here's Nineveh, this wicked city. He said, their city is so wicked that it's come up to my attention. And I want to, and we need to stop that. Okay. I care about people too much to let Nineveh continue to hurt people. We're going to stop that. So Jonah, you're my messenger. So you go. So Jonah's like, all right. He arose and he went the opposite direction. He shook his fist at God or whatever else. He shook it to God and he went the other way. And he got on a boat and fled from where, um, where Nineveh was going to be. So he wanted to go in the opposite direction. 
So as he's heading out that way, God miraculously and patiently and persistently loves Jonah. He loves him and he has a plan for his life and he doesn't want him to miss out on this opportunity. And he also wants to see Nineveh changed. So he says, Jonah, here's a storm. So he brings up a storm miraculously and the boat starts going. Everyone, all these um, the sailors are, are worried, they're concerned. He said, someone's God is mad at us. And Jonah's like, oh, that might be me. I think I just told God to, and I wouldn't do something. So me. So they throw Jonah overboard. And when they do, the storm, of course, stops. And then as Jonah's in the water, God miraculously sends a fish big enough to eat him. I like to catch that fish. Okay, that'd be awesome. He, he sends it and he eats Jonah. So now Jonah's living within him for three days. Jonah's a real guy, historical and all that stuff. But as we look at, so he somehow miraculously survives in the belly of a fish for three days. And so God, while he's in there, Jonah has a time where he realizes my way is not better than God's way. I know I need to follow God. And he repents, or what that means is he says, God, I agree that what I've been doing in my, is wrong. I'm sinning here. I'm going the opposite direction of you. I want to turn to you, God, and follow you with my life. And that's what he does. And God then has the fish vomit him up onto the beach. What a beautiful story to think about. So he spits him up there, and that's where you find Jonah at the end of chapter 2. He's standing there smelling like fish. How, bad, how long would it take to get that fish smell off you? That's what I'd like to know. I mean, if I go fishing for a few hours, I smell. You know what I mean? This guy's living in it for three days. So it's a nice, pleasant thought, huh? I'm sure some great seafood restaurants for lunch later. That'd be awesome. So, um, but you think about it. So he's there. So now God looks at him. And this is where we're going to pick up the story in Jonah chapter 3. God is going to tell Jonah to go. Jonah's going to go. And he's going to obey. And in the end, Nineveh will change. And then you'll find out next week that Jonah's heart necessarily wasn't for the people of Nineveh. And, um, and we'll hear about that. So Jonah chapter 3. Let me read for you this, um, this story here. If you have your Bibles, you can flip in there. Um, if you don't have a Bible underneath the chair in front of you, there's a, there should be a Bible right underneath you. Just grab that Bible out of there. And if you don't have a Bible, please take that. If you don't have your own copy, um, if you just forgot yours today, you don't need 10 of them at home. Just, but if you don't have a Bible, take that Bible that's under there and put your name in it so we know it's yours and not ours anymore. But we, take it. we believe that God speaks to us through his word and we should be reading the Bible. So dig into there. Um, it's page 646 in those Bibles that are underneath the chair. And you, or you can just look on the app there. I'm going to read for you a story. So here we go. John cha um, Jonah chapter 3. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God, love God is king of second chances, isn't he? Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's a good message there. So picture Jonah, afraid of the city a little bit. Nineveh, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it here in a second. If you don't know, Nineveh has a really nasty reputation, well-earned. And, and God's like, I want you to go in there and walk down that city streets and tell them in 40 days they're going to be overturned. And so that's what his message is. Some of you might say, boy, I wish that sermon was only eight words long. That would be great. But anyway, so we'll keep going. It says, the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and, turn, and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. 
when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So when we see God and we see Jonah in this and we talk about the Bible, you know, the whole Bible is really a story about God and his love for mankind and what he's done through Jesus. And you can read through the whole thing. But here we see God when he looks at Jonah. We see a God who's persistent and patient with Jonah. God could have just let Jonah, you know, perish in the sea. He could have just let him perish in the fish. He could have just said, Jonah, I'm done with you. I'm going to find somebody else. But he's persistent with Jonah. He had a plan for Jonah, and he didn't want to stop until Jonah accomplished that. He was patient with Jonah. He gave him a second chance, right? He was patient. He waited for him. God had incredible mercy on Jonah by not giving Jonah what he deserved. And God has a heart for people. God is calling Jonah to go speak so that the wickedness will stop. So I think God loves people enough. So he's saying, you know what? I need to stop this city from doing these atrocities to my people. But I think God also loved the people of Nineveh. But his, definitely his reason why I sent Jonah to Nineveh was to stop their wickedness, as it talks about it here different times. So Jonah had a job to do as a prophet. His whole job was to take his message, the message that God gave him, to this place of Nineveh. So as we look at scriptures, you know, as people, if you're a Christ follower today, the way that the Bible works is when we read through it, it's not just so that we can learn good stories to tell our kids at night. It's not so we can look at things and say, hey, listen, you could be a better person. Look what God did. It's not just those things. But it's finding out how it is that, who it is that God is and how it is that he wants us to be like him and what it is he calls us to do. So God was very clear on the mission he gave to Jonah. If you're a Christ follower today, God has a mission for you as well. And he's telling you to go. Matt, flip over if you can in your Bible. I'm going to jump around a lot in the Bible so you can either follow on the app or just kind of hang loose and I'll, I'll read it for you. But Matthew chapter 28 if you flip over there, this is what Jesus is talking about. It's on page 698 in his Bible. So you just flip over about 50 pages. But six, it's 698. But in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus, said, at, at this point in his story, Matthew is a gospel, is a story about who Jesus, about Jesus' life. We see that Jesus had died. He rose again and was walking on the earth for about 40 days. Sometimes toward the end of those days, he looks at his, his followers, these people who would, who'd followed him, they, they gave up on him, and then he rose again, and they're back in, they're ready, let's go, let's go change the world. And God looks at them, and Jesus himself looks at them, and he says, here's the mission that I have for you. This is what I want you to do. This is what you're supposed to do. If you are my follower, this is what you do. Listen to what he says, Matthew 28. He starts off by saying, let's go back to 18 real quick. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus is reminding us. It's like, hey, guys, I did rise from the dead. I am the king of kings and lord of lords. I have all the power. So what I'm telling you is of utmost importance. It's kind of like your dads, when you look at your son and say, listen, as your father's son, I'm telling you. All right, there's some things. Or as your mother, child, I'm telling you, you will do this. Every once in a while, it's good to remind our kids that we can take care of business if we have to, right? It's good. It's like, listen, I'm in charge here. Remember that, okay? So that's what God, Jesus is saying, but well, not in such sarcastic terms that I did, I'm sure. But anyway, verse 19, he says, therefore go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He says, I want you to go. The key point of that whole phrase is make disciples. But it starts by going. He says, I want you to go. See, when God told Jonah, he said, I want you to go to Nineveh. And here, there's a message that I have for you. 
When he says to us, he's like, he tells us, he said, we have, he's a mission for us and it's to go. So if you're a Christ follower today, you can put your name in there. Brad, go and make disciples and all the rest. You can put your own name in there. And God, Jesus, as he was speaking to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all these guys, well, not Luke, but at the time, but as you're talking to these disciples, he's like, listen, I want you to go and make disciples. Just like he's saying that to them, he's saying that to you and me today as Christ followers. He wants us all to go. We all have a responsibility to go. We all have a responsibility to go make disciples. So if you ever wonder, what's my purpose in life? It starts by understanding who Jesus is as a Christ follower. Then it, one of the biggest things that Jesus is saying is, I want you to go and make disciples. He doesn't say, listen, as a Christ follower, here's what I want you to know. The important things before I leave, before I leave, before I leave the earth, the last things I want to leave you with is, I want you to go to church. I want you to stop swearing. I want you to be kind. Those things are all important or fine or whatever. But that's not what he's telling us. He said, but listen, your mission is to go. Because he knew that as we follow him, we'll become more like him. But he doesn't want us to forget that we're supposed to go. And so that's what Jonah did. So Jonah, I don't know if he still smelled like the fish at the time or remembered how that felt in the fish. I don't know if he'd realized it's like God just stops, you know, created storms. He used a fish to eat me. I don't want to tell God no again. So God's like, I want you to go, Jonah. And so Jonah obeyed him and he went to Nineveh. Now, listen, it's really easy to get hard on Jonah. I I can be very judgmental when I read back on the Bible, like, oh, these guys. I mean, I would have done it totally different. But I just want to think about Nineveh for a second. I'll try not to be more graphic than I have to be. When you think about Nineveh, Nineveh wasn't just a place that was like known for wild and crazy parties. Okay. It wasn't just a place that your people went to, you know, you know, so everybody, they could forget about their lives for a while. Nineveh was a city that was known for being horrible to their enemies. Nineveh was in a, a, is a, like the, in a city in this um, people known as the Assyrians, and they were the most powerful people at the time of this writing. Okay, they were the, the nation that everybody feared. And so the Assyrians, they liked that. And the Ninevites, you know, big city in Assyria, they liked it. And so what the kings would do is they would brag about how great they were. And they wanted to intimidate people. So it wasn't just trash talk. What they would do to people as their enemies is if you oppose them, some of you, they would decapitate. They'd take off your heads and then they would put it on sticks outside of the city. So that as a, as a person who's not from Nineveh walked into the city and walked down the street, you're greeted by people's faces on poles. Their message is like, you mess with Nineveh, this could happen to you. They would brag about taking people's skin and filleting them alive. You know, they would cut off their skin while they were still living and do all that they could do to see how long they could keep that person alive and in agony. And then they would have artists draw up these pictures and plaster them all around the walls of the city. So that when you walked into Nineveh, you're not thinking about, oh, you know, I need to recycle. Or, yes, this is, let's vote for this person. You're walking in, it's like, I could get my skin taken off. I'm going to toe the line. I'm going to follow. What is it they have? They would take posts outside of their city and impel people on them. Just put them on there. And that's how they would say they would hang people. And, you'd, and you'd, that's what you'd be greeted with when you went to Nineveh. So when God says to Jonah, hey, Jonah. I want you to go to Nineveh and preach out to them how wicked they are. You can see why he'd be a little intimidated. I'd be scared to death. 
I mean, these people are bragging about how vicious they are. And you're going to go tell them that what they're doing is wicked and they better turn and their whole city is going to crumble in 40 days. That God's going to get them. I mean, that wouldn't make you the most popular guy in, real, in the real world, right? Think about your enemy or think about people that you know are doing terrible things and you're thinking, okay, my mission is to go tell them what they're doing is stop. And you walk by people's bodies as you go into the city and see it or hear of their stories. But Jonah obeyed. And Jonah obeyed. Real quick, though, in our notes, um, I don't want to miss this part before we, before we jump into obeying here. So this, the command that God gives us to go, this is in your notes. There's a lot of blanks in there for you to keep busy. Okay? Everybody likes busy work. It makes you think about school, right? Sorry about that. Okay. The command to go, it reveals. Here's what it is. When we look about the story of Jonah, we don't want to just focus in on him, but think about who God is. But the command to go, when God looks at Jonah and says go, and when God tells you and me to go, he said, it reveals a patient, persistent, and loving God who in his great mercy, mercy is not giving us what we deserve. You know, he wants to have mercy on Nineveh. They deserve to go down. They're, they're as, I mean, they're as wicked as any city has ever been. And they're ready. They deserve it. But God shows his great mercy. He gives us the opportunity to carry his message to the world. Think about that. God loves you. Out of the seven point whatever billion people on this planet, God knows you. God loves you enough that he looks at you and says, I not only want you to be my child, but I want you to go on my behalf. And think about how patient God is with you. How many times does God call us to go or to do something and we're like, and maybe tomorrow. I'm really good at this one. You know, you come home from work, you see your neighbor over there sitting and you're thinking, I've been waiting for opportunities to talk to my neighbor and there they are. I should go say hi. Oh, but I'm really tired. Pastoring's hard work meetings and stuff and reading the Bible, it's hard. You know, I've got these kids that I'm raising, you know, I mean, married and I mean, that's not hard work. I mean, my wife's an angel, but, but my kids, it's hard work raising them. I've got a four-year-old, I'm 43. I mean, my kids look at me like I'm a senior, I'm old to them, you know? I mean, it's tiring, it's hard. My neighbor, they live there all the time. I've lived there for eight years. I still never said hi to them, but they're right there. But, um, you know, I worked out one time this month. I'm a little sore still. I mean, it's hard. God, you want me to go? Listen, think about how patient God is with us. Think about that. How persistent he is with us. He keeps reminding us of the need that we have. How loving he is with us that he'd even include us in a family and bring us along. And the mercy that he shows to us by giving us a second chance of life. The mercy that God doesn't want to make us, doesn't want us pay for the sins which we've done. And when we do that, it shows that he gives us an opportunity to take his message around the world. But what is that message? So Jonah's message was 40 days you're going to overturn. But if you turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I love this passage of Scripture. It's on page 805 in those Bibles. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you don't have anywhere else to read this week, I would encourage you to take that Bible if you're new, uh, take that Bible and read that. If, if you're not a Christ follower yet, I would encourage you to read through these verses. Look at a little story about what God has done for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 was written by a guy named Paul. Who one time his name was Saul. And he did not very good things. You can hear, read his story in the book of Acts. But where Paul then now is a follower of Jesus. God changed his name from Saul to Paul. And, now God is a fo- and Paul is a follower of Jesus. He writes this about the message that we get to offer. Because he says, go to Jonah 
and he says, I want you to tell them what I have, to tell, what I have for you to tell them. 40 days, Nineveh will be over, overturned. He looks at us and he says, I want you to go and make disciples. He wants to teach them and obey everything I've commanded you. And here's the message he wants us to take. Think about the world which we live in today. Think about all the things you see on social media, the not so good things at times for, for some people have us very afraid in our world today. You, look, you think about all of that world for a second. Think about you when you've been at your worst. Think about that part of you that no one else really knows exists, but it goes on in your mind where you know how wicked you can become, how hateful you can be, how lustful you can be. Think about that for a second and think about you there and then think about what God has done. Look at verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Paul's like, before I used to look at everybody else just as, you know, like everybody else did. But now, since I've met Christ, I look at the world differently. He says, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We used to think Christ was just another person, was just something else, another message, was something that we wanted to stop. He said, but we don't any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All this message is from God, who reconciled us back. He, he brought our relationship, us as people who are, who are capable of doing terrible things, us as people who are, who are focused on ourselves, self-centered. God gave us the chance to be reconciled to him through his son, Jesus. Look at the work that God has done. Think about the mercy and the love that he's shown us. When you were at your worst, that's when God dies for us. And gave us that ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling, here's the message, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Jonah was going to go to Nineveh and they did horrible things and God was going to give them another chance. God offers that hope to all of us. He says, and, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us. That's why he died on the cross. He took his, our sins upon him so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Think about while I was at my worst, God loved me to, enough to send his son Jesus to die for me so that I can have relationship with the creator of the universe, so that I can have relationship with the God who made me fearfully and wonderfully and crafted me and, and created me with purpose that, in, in, that I would be prepared in advance to do, as it says in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. The God who not only made me, but gives me purpose. That God who knows me out of the seven billion people on this planet. He sent his son Jesus to die for me and to die for you. The hope that we can have in him. We get to take that message to our world. Think about your coworkers for a second. You know that one coworker that they think all they need is one more boyfriend. This one will work. Or that, or that coworker, you, you, you think, oh, you just see them. They're trying everything. They're, finding, they're trying to find life satisfaction in everything, and you've seen them hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Think about the hope, the message that you get to offer them. That Jesus loves them. And I'm not saying in a, you know, where we got to tell them in a mean kind of dorky way, you know, like, hey, you know, turn, you know, we get real judgmental. But no, we approach people with, about who Jesus is and tell them about how Jesus has changed our lives and love our neighbors, our friends enough so they have the opportunity to be reconciled to God. 
Think about your classmates at school. Think about your, the people on your sports teams. Think about your children. You know, you as a dad are thinking, I want my kids to know, I know what's best for them is that they know Jesus. Maybe you, maybe you as an individual are just getting excited about Jesus for the first time and you're thinking, all I want for my kid is that they love Jesus. Well, you're willing to go and tell them. So there's one thing is to go and take the message. But when we talk about obedience, look at this quote I have for you here, um, just in your notes there. Our obedience, when we obey God and tell people, when we obey God and go, it demonstrates a submission to God's plan and an understanding that his way is better than my way. That God's way is better than my way. I saw this happen in my own life many times where I tried to go my own way and then was reminded that God's way is better. But one time in particular, um, I remember it was with, with the calling of my life, what my, what my life's purpose was or what it is that God made me to do. Well, growing up, I grew up in a church. I heard about Jesus all the time. I thought, follow Jesus as long as I do some good things. I kept, I, you know, I helped people when I was supposed to, I thought. But I kind of always wanted to do what I wanted to do too. So as I started looking at my future, I thought, man, I want to be an NBA basketball player. That didn't happen. And if you're surprised that didn't happen, um, maybe you need to watch an NBA game and look what NBA basketball players look like. They don't look like this, okay? Um, I, wanted, I thought, I want to be an NBA basketball player. And then I realized it's like, um, you're not one of the ones created to do that. So I knew that right away. Well, I thought, well, at least if I could play basketball in school and earn some money, you know, get some money towards college, that would be something. So I thought I'd pursue that. And then, you know, then you find out the only way I could ever play in college is to go to a college where only grandparents would go watch the game. So um, I, that wasn't going to be for me anyway. So I thought, well, what, what do I want to do with my life? It wasn't, what, what's God, what's your plan for my life? I did all the church stuff, but that was this segment of my life. And then over here was about, what's Brad want? What do I want to get out of life? So I thought, well, I want to go, I'll be, do something in the medical field. I can help people. I feel better when I help people. I can be kind of nice. And I thought I, um, I, I could make a good living. And I could have, if I get a family someday, I could afford to do the things I want to do. So I thought, that's what I want to do. That's what I'll pursue. So I went to college. With, um, I, I pursued a degree in biology. That way I get all my prerequisites for graduate school so I could go and be the person that I wanted to be. So I went to college my first year. Um, and that didn't go well. So, um, I went, and so I went into a whole big world. And I thought, I'm like a little fish in this big world. And I you know, I didn't get into crazy trouble, but I just, it just didn't go well. So the antithesis of that was then I went to a very strict Christian college after that. So I transferred. So I thought, well, if I can't handle, if I, with no roles, if I can't do well, I better go someplace where I can find a lot of guidance in my life. Because obviously I'm very immature. Okay. So I go to this school and I, and I have all these, and I have all these things. And so as I'm going there, I still found that I can still kind of go through the motions with God. And, um, and still do what I wanted to do, I thought. The problem was, as I continued to pursue down the path that I was going on, I started realizing that I'm not real, I don't have a lot of peace in my life. When I went to bed at night, I laid my head on my pillow, I'm thinking, there's gotta be more to my Christian walk than this. I'm thinking, there's gotta be more to life than this. Is this all that it is? I'm starting to question a lot of things. And then my friends would pray, pray for me. And then in my junior year, and in my junior year, beginning of my senior year, I get, started getting really excited about Jesus because I started understanding that following God wasn't just about going to church and keeping rules, but following God was about understanding who Jesus was and then beginning to imitate him with my life and following him in everything that I do. And as that transformation happened, God started changing my life to the point where I started realizing 
that God had a different plan for my life. So then I was in some chapel service, a guy's speaking, and he's like, some of you, are God is calling you into full-time ministry, and you've been resisting it. And what I'd realized is he's speaking to me. Because whenever I was a kid, people told me, it's like, hey, you should work at a church someday. Hey, I think you could be a pastor and these things. I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but pastors are all like polyestered up and stuff, you know, kind of lame and boring, I thought. You know, it's like, don't drive nice cars. Not that I even care about cars, but like, I'm like, no, they seem nice and friendly and all that, but that's not who I want to be, you know. But I remember that, you know, people telling me that in my life, but then God had a specific calling for my life to go into full-time ministry. When I found out what God's way was in my life, it began to change me. And as I changed, I started finding the life that God promises, the satisfaction, the happiness, and the hope, the contentment. But it happened when God started shifting my heart to where I started submitting my ways and everything to his ways. Now, I'm not telling everybody they need to go into full-time ministry. If everyone became pastors, who would reach to everybody else, right? So it's like, um, we're not telling that. But I'm not saying that God's calling everybody to go into full-time ministry. But I'm saying that was for me. What it was, was for me wasn't even that I got a vocation. It was that I began to find who God was. And I got God. I got a relationship with a personal, with a creator of this thing in a personal one-on-one way where God spoke into my life and began to change me. And that's what God is offering to the world. So for some of us, it's we need to go. And God's calling all of us to go if you're a Christ follower today. You're to go. Take the message of hope around the world to the people you come in contact with. All of us are called, I hate to say this, we're all called into full-time ministry. Because every day of our lives, you should be looking for opportunities to go. And we think about becoming a teacher and sharing in our classroom or caring for families. Whatever it is that God calls you, reaching people that only a teacher could reach or a, or a doctor or a garbage. Whatever it is, whatever God has for you in your vocation, using and running after that. But all of us as Christians are called to go. If you're a Christ follower, it's your mission. And when we obey God, we realize that his way is better than my way. We begin to find the things that we're looking for. But what are we sharing we're sharing a message of hope. And so it was Jonah went in then into Nineveh. And let me wrap up this story here quick. I'm not going to land a plane just yet, but I'm going to wrap up this story here. He said, verse 5, he says, The Ninevites believed God. They declared fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the king heard about what's happening, he wasn't mad. He didn't say, these people, I've got to end Jonah. They're changing the way of life here. But he was cut to the heart, and something happened in his life where he took off his royal robes, and he sat down in dirt with sackcloth on even the poor animals that didn't do anything. I mean, think about an animal's life. They just live to get eaten. You know what I mean? And now it's like, well, that's not good enough. Now you can't eat. You can't have water either. And here, put some sackcloth on that one. You know what I mean? It's like, what'd they do? You know, they're just, everybody's just down and they're feeling like they're remorse because then they're hoping that God will change his mind or that God will relent because they realize that what they're doing was wrong. They realize that the way that they were living wasn't what they were made to do. And God miraculously had them change. So we look in that story. If there's anything we should know, that none of us, and this is for you, if you're not a Christ follower, if you are a Christ follower, remember this, none of us are too far out of the reach of hope. There's nobody that's too far gone that hope can't reach them if they turn. So what the Ninevites did was that's where that we use the word repent, right? Where they were going one direction, their wicked direction, and they turned. And they found the hope that is in Christ. So as you go into our world and obey God and share the message, think about what it is that you're sharing. You're sharing with people the hope that they can be reconciled to God. You know, the hope that you feel. 
You remember how it was to be without hope, right? You remember, as a, before you were a Christ follower, you remember what it felt like to not be sure what the world was all about. You remember what it felt like as a, cross follower, as a Christ follower, before you were a Christ follower, to think, what am I living for? What happens when I die? You remember that lack of hope that you had before? But now, because of Christ, you have hope. Or remember before how, when you weren't a Christ follower, how you a lot of times get consumed with worry about the future? I mean, what is going on in our world? I'm scared to death. What's going to happen in my life? The fear that used to um, just hold you captive. The fear of worried about people's expectations all the time. The fear of worrying about what everybody thought all the time. The fear of just everything. A fear of fitting in or not fitting in. And then as you met Christ, how God changed your life, you found out it's like, I have security in Christ. I don't have to worry anymore. There's nothing to be afraid for because I know that God is in control. And even in dark times, I can have peace. You remember before how nothing was good enough in life. You're always discontent. You always wanted more of something. But then as you found Christ, you start realizing that stuff doesn't really matter as much anymore. See, God has changed your life. And there are people in our world that are still stuck without hope. And God might be using you to bring it to them. Not because you're something great. Come on. Not because you got it all figured out but because you have a loving God who's patient and persistent with you, who's great in mercy, who wants you to be part of something awesome. And he wants to use you to be part of changing someone's life. Not because you have all the answers. None of us do. And following Jesus doesn't mean you have to have everything figured out anyway. But I can trust him. But it's because of how great our God is that while we are at our worst, he sent someone into our life named Jesus, laid down his life. God himself broke into our world. And God loves us so much that at some point, if you're a Christ follower, someone came to you. And you're here sitting in a chair today because somebody obeyed God. And they said, God, your way is better than my way. Because by nature, our desire isn't just to do what God has for us to do. Our desire, naturally, is to do what makes us feel good and find out the answers on our own. But when we choose to obey God and choose his way instead of our way and become obedient, who knows what he'll do? But it'll change us, and in that we'll find the life that is truly life. Jonah went from being in the belly of a fish to being a messenger of the gospel well, of God at the time. I don't know about the gospel, but anyway, a long story. But he, came, he obeyed his Lord, and he did it, and he saw this nation saved. He saw them changed. What will God have you do? Maybe you're not in the belly of the fish, but maybe you are. Maybe right now you're feeling the weight of going your own way. But today is the day maybe that you can turn and say, I'm sorry. So if you're not a Christ follower yet, I'd encourage you to think about your life. Thanks for being here. Thanks for investigating the hope that you can find in Jesus. And, and you're loved here and we're, we're so thrilled that you're here. I would just encourage you to just think through your life. You say, I'm not sure I believe in Jesus. That's okay. But what is it that you follow? What is it that you put your hope in? What is it that you put your trust in? that's going to be there for you when the tough times come? What is it? Maybe, it's, maybe you should think about who Jesus is and the hope that he has for us. 
there's a God out there who loves you. And he sent his son Jesus for you. If you're a Christ follower today, are you going? When you think about your locker room at school as you're getting ready for your game and you're thinking about your classmates and you see someone you know that all that they need is Jesus. Are you going to try to take some steps in their life so where you can get to know them well enough so that they can hear your story about how God has changed your life? Again, it's not just sitting there and hitting them over the head with the Bible, but it's loving people and treating them the way that you'd want to be treated and caring for them. Your coworkers at work. You see your friends doing the same thing over and over. Your group of friends, your family members, your extended family. Do people even know that Jesus has changed your life? Do people know that they have the opportunity to be reconciled to a God who loves them? That when they're walking this way and God says, I want you to turn. That when they turn back to God, they're not turning back to God. says, see, I told you I was real. Now do this. When we turn back to a God, they turn back to a loving father who is so thrilled that their son came home. Their daughter chose to come home. Who loved them so much that he gave his life for them. That's who we turn to. So today, if you're a Christ follower, I'd encourage you to go. You know that person that maybe even God brought up while I'm talking today? That when the scripture was read, you're thinking, oh boy, I know who I should be telling about Jesus. I'd encourage you to take a step and go. If you haven't gone to them, spend some time thinking and asking God, why? Why won't I go? Just be honest with God. Why won't I obey? So maybe today, if, you're th- if there's someone who came to your mind, maybe today you should text them. Text them and say, hey, I'd love to get together with you for coffee sometime. I just want to tell you what God's been doing in my life. Maybe you make an appointment and say, okay, well, today I'm going to pray for him, and then tomorrow I'm going to do this. Take action. If there's something that God's calling you to do, a place where he's calling you to go, and you're saying, yeah, I'm not ready to obey that, God, because I still think I've got it all situated here. I ask you to spend some time with God. Ask him why. Why, why God, would I have trouble submitting to your way? For me, it was, I had to have a, it was a change in vocation. But that, that, that's not the point. The point for all of us is, it's us understanding who Jesus is and saying, God, I'm willing to give up every area of my life so that your message can be heard around our world. If you don't know your neighbors yet, ask yourself why. If you're not a Christ follower today, I'd encourage you to think about where you're headed and what direction your life is going. And I want to encourage you to consider hope. Because I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. You're never too far away to turn away, turn around to God. I remember as a kid, I was excited. I went to like a Bible camp like we do here, Vacation Bible School was called it back then, but it's Bible camp. I remember coming home, going to my one aunt's house and telling her, I said, you need Jesus. You know, as a little kid, you know, it was a lot, lot higher pitch than that. And I actually had hair back then. It was only like 10 hairs, but I had some. But um, I, I remember talking to her, I was like, I'm like, you need Jesus, aunt. And she goes, oh, Brad, I'm glad that you found Jesus. She goes, but Jesus could never save me. I am too far gone. I've done too, you don't know what I've done in my past. There's no way I could be good enough for God to love me. None of us are without hope. That's a lie that's not found in the scriptures. The scriptures are always full of people who being far gone, God broke into their world and radically changed them. Nineveh is just an example.
So some of us, maybe you're thinking to yourself, there's someone I'd like to see find the hope in Jesus, but oh, they're really bad. No one is too far away. When you look at our world and, the, and you know, the things that happen all throughout our world, remember, everybody in our world is created by God. Everybody's created in his image and everybody has worth. No one's too far away from hearing the gospel of Jesus. So maybe God's going to use you to tell them. So as we're, the band's going to come out now and we're going to, and we're going to finish this up. But as we are, I would just encourage you, you know, just to kind of sit for a little bit as they spend some time singing. Maybe spend some time praying to yourself, to God in, in, in yourself there saying, God, who is it you want me to go to? And if God brings your, someone to your mind, say, so what are you willing to do to go for them? God, where is it you want me to go? What is it you're asking me to do that I have a hard time obeying? What ways in my life am I saying your way is not as good as what I have, God? Maybe it's time where you need to take care of that business. And then some of us are thinking, if there's someone out there that you've been going to and that you've been reaching for and they're just not responding to the gospel, just keep praying for them. Because the story's not over yet. Keep praying for them, praying that God will change their heart. Maybe you're saying, but Brad, I've went. Brad, I go. I tell everybody I know about Jesus. Praise God for you. Keep doing it. But don't get frustrated because God will change people's hearts. But keep praying for them and bringing them up before the Lord. And if you're not a Christ follower yet, I would just encourage you to remember that none of us are too far from hope. And you think, well, I'm not really a bad person, Brad. What hope do you have with your life? What is it that you trust in today? I'm gonna pray. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for the time we can spend in your word. Thank you for the message of Jonah. Lord, I pray that right now you'll be working in all of our hearts. Lord, I know as a person the evil that I'm capable of. Lord, I know how each day how I fall short in becoming the person you call me to be. But Lord, I also know that you love me enough to be patient with me. You love me enough, Lord, to have mercy. And you don't give up on me. And I, Lord, I know that as your son and, and then we have our you know, sons and daughters out here today, Lord, that you love us so much. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you yet. I pray that you do incredible works in their life. I thank you for them, Lord. I pray that if they don't know anything else, that they know that they're loved by you and they can find hope in you. Lord, you are a great God. And because of that, Lord, we can praise you. Because of that, we can sing to you. And Lord, you're a great God. And because of that, Lord, we can put our trust and hope completely in you. And thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.